Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, YA is sponsored by TBR. Book Riot's service for tailored book recommendations now available as a gift. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for? Gift the gift of TBR, Book Riot subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or a year-long subscription and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will handpick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at $15, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine. So when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash gift. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith, and we are recording on Monday, June 8th, 2020. It could be any year, any day, any date. It's true. Time has no meaning. But episode 70, oh my god. I know. You realize we're going to hit like 100 in in soon. Like that's, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. We are not going to do 100 recommendations each like we did for that 50 episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can think about is it's like, okay, we'll have to do something special, but it's not going to be that. <laughs> oh my god. I, I, you, everyone would just hear me start sobbing by like recommendation 50, like something like that. Oh. That's, that's a lot. We could just recommend the same three books like over and over again. There we go. I'm going to recommend Hot Dog Girl 100 times. There there you go. I was <laughs> like, I knew that that would be the one he reached for. <laughs> oh, what's going on with you? What are you reading? What's what's happening on your side of the uh, the recording? Yeah, so I'm still making my way through Lauren Morrill's uh, It's Kind of a Cheesy Love Story, which comes out later this year. Um, and honestly, it's like the funniest book she's written. And like, I'm totally smitten with her books. But this one, like, Someone has to make it into a Netflix movie or something is just tragically wrong with Hollywood besides like everything else that's wrong with Hollywood. Like it's <laughs> it's so good. It's so fun. I, I think I was I was like in tears laughing around like page 60. There's this whole thing. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to ruin it. Like not even a quarter of the way through the book. I'm cracking up. So, yes, pick that one up. Yeah, I wish I could report back and say that I'm reading more. Um, But like, you know, busy at work, busy with all that other good stuff. And I'm doing something that you're doing where I'm I'm reading other books for blurbs that I'm not allowed to talk about, mm. which is fun. Although, like, I find being asked to write blurbs really funny. Like, 
I guess all of my fan will listen to me, but like, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Oh, that's right. I started reading an adult book. So uh, Sarvanatash, who wrote Virtually Yours and The Geek's Guide to Unrequited Love, co-wrote this adult romance called Ghosting with Sarah Skilton. And it's about these two competing ghostwriters who are working on, uh, they, they, they write client dating profiles and they fall for one another through anonymous oh. text messages. And it's super cute and super fun. And like, it has me thinking, like, if we're going to see a lot more YA authors dipping into the, the adult rom-com space, because like Emily Henry's Beach Read, which I really love. Uh, hit the New York Times bestseller list the other week. So, yeah, let's give us more. <laughs> uh, well, and I can think of at least two others. Um, Sundia Menon has an adult rom-com coming. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. She's writing it under a pseudonym, and I can't remember what that is. And then uh, Marissa Meyer has one coming, too. Like, what? she's gone from no way. you know science fiction to adult romance. Is there, like, a meet-cute with, like, robots or something? Like, I, I am very <laughs> curious to see what that is. So I blew through a book last week that I'm going to talk a little bit about later in the show. And it's funny because we were going to record on Friday. So like I wrote this whole long thing about what I was going to talk about. And then we had a weekend between our planned recording and when we're really recording. So like (laughs) everything I wrote doesn't mean anything now. (laughs) But the long and short of it was uh, I was reading an adult nonfiction book called The Wild Remedy by Emma Mitchell. And it's basically this book about Mitchell who each month of the year talks about her depression. She has depression and um, how being in nature has interacted with it. It was a very like British read and also weirdly uplifting, even though it's about depression. Um, And it it was soothing. It was like weirdly soothing to me. And I loved she drew pictures of like birds and plants she saw. And it just got me thinking a lot about like how I spend my summers. And given how different this summer is, like it just set off a whole lot of like, will summer be different for me? Because I'm not going out and doing all these things that I like to do. Instead, I'm like doing things at home. So will I be reading more? Like, how will my reading life change? Will there be more audiobooks as I do things around the house as opposed to, like, go out and do things? I was telling my mom that the last few months, just, like, while we've been in lockdown, um, obviously things are opening up now, but they reminded me a lot of my childhood. Like, there was a lot of time to just do stuff on my own. She worked third shift and my grandparents both worked too, so I had to entertain myself a lot. And that's sort of where I got into reading so much is it's like I had a lot of free time on my hands and the library was free so we could go check out stacks of books. And I made a lot of things. I wrote a lot of things. I rollerbladed. I did puzzles. And like I can't stop thinking about that feeling and thought and experience and how it might relate to reading this summer for mm-hmm. me. And I'm I'm so curious, like, if other readers are going to find similar experiences or revisit those books from their childhood that just felt good to read. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of what I've been thinking about lately. I actually signed up for the Slow Novel Lab, which is Nina LaCour's writing course. And I'm working on that this summer, which is really cool. We're focusing, like, we each got to pick three mentor texts that we're going to use to sort of understand our own writing and to understand, like, effective writing. So I'm, I'm really excited. 
adding that to sort of my slow summer um, <laughs> plate of like activities that I am doing from home. Anyway, so that was all of my like rambling prior to the weekend. <laughs> and then this weekend I started uh, reading This Is My America by Kimberly Johnson or Kim Johnson, which comes out next month. And it's a story about the prison system and how it unfairly targets black people and specifically in this book, uh, black men. And it is wild. It is not like an easy read at all. And every time I'm like, I'm going to sit down and read a whole bunch of chapters and blow through this, the book is like, no, you're not going to, you're going to sit with this, Um, which I think it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. So that's where I'm at right now. Like kind of a mess of feelings and thoughts and yeah. (laughs) It's relatable. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. I mean, I feel like that's all anyone ever says anymore, but what can you do, right? Yeah. Let's hit our first sponsor, and then we will dive into our show. All right. So our first sponsor is the audiobook edition of A Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow. In a society determined to keep her under lock and key, Tavia must hide her siren powers. Meanwhile, Effie is fighting her own family's struggles, pitted against literal demons from her past. Together, these best friends must navigate through the perils of high school's junior year. But everything changes in the aftermath of a siren murder trial that rocks the nation, and Tavia accidentally lets out her magical voice at the worst possible moment. Soon, nothing in Portland, Oregon seems safe. To save themselves from drowning, it's only Tavia and Effie's unbreakable sisterhood that proves to be the strongest magic of all. Danielle Clayton, New York Times bestselling author of The Bell, says it's an enthralling tale of black girl magic and searing social commentary ready to rattle the bones. That is the audiobook edition of A Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow. All right. I got to read that one. Has a really awesome cover, too. Yeah. So, uh. Let's uh, let's talk about anti-racist YA books. I don't think we need to even give an introduction why. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it's been a couple of, of weeks by the time listeners get this episode. And certainly there have been a million lists. And I think that those are really valuable. But I think there's also value in actually hearing people talk about why these books are essential reading and essential Reading, I emphasize, as in you actually have to sit down and read the books. You can't just have them on your shelf. <laughs> I I agree. No, but I mean for real, right? Yeah. You could have this incredible collection of anti-racist books, but if you're not reading them, it doesn't do anything. Like you actually have to do the work. So I'm going to talk about the one that literally everybody has talked about, and that's Stamped by Jason Reynolds and Ibram X. Kendi. And I'm obviously not telling anyone anything new here, but I... I'm going to say this, which I think hasn't been said very much, in that uh, you can't really find this book in print, so listen to it on audio. I think it has, at least on an initial read, far more impact that way. And you'll be listening to literal own voices here. Reynolds performs the book, and knowing how much he appeals, uh, especially to white ladies, and I say this as a white lady myself who sees it, it's going to really rattle you, and it should. So there's a refrain that goes on throughout the book that it's not a history book. And Stamp certainly tells a history of Black people in America, but it's not history. It's the current reality. And Reynolds directs 
this book to young people here and he he addresses them directly but it's not a book just for young people it's for adults and adults who read this need to then pass it on to the young people in their in their life and talk about it with them some of the big takeaways in this one for me while listening were about the differences between assimilationist racist and anti-racist and I'd always had an idea like what the difference was, but the way Reynolds spells it out is so clear and it really clarifies what the work of being an anti-racist really looks like. It's not just retweeting something on Twitter or sharing it on Instagram. It's more than that. It's a lot of internal work. And there's a lot in this book too about Black leaders throughout American history and what they did and did not do in their lives when it comes to pushing for civil rights and anti-racism. And I read this back in January or February before everything kind of changed in terms of quarantine and then the current protests we have going on. And something I think white people really need to sit with in this book is both in how they're recommending it and how they read it is uh, whether or not this book would have had the same kind of praise and appeal it does and has had if Jason's name weren't on it. Like, would a lesser known Black writer get the same kind of praise and appreciation for this? And I think thinking about this question and whether it makes you uncomfortable is starting, like, the very, very basics of doing anti-racist work. It's an essential book, um, essential reading, and yet... Sitting with that question and thinking about the name attached to the book, what that means, I think that's a starting place for many, many uh, readers who haven't done this kind of work or thought about this kind of work. Obviously, essential reading, important. That's why it's the first one I put on here, but lots to think about here. And that is stamped by Jason Reynolds and Ibram X. Kendi. Oh, goodness. I love that we're talking about this because I feel like I've been reading some of these books for little kids to the toddler um, just by nature of what he tends to be drawn to when he sees it when we're running around his room. Like one is uh, A for Activist, which we've been Mm. reading quite a bit, which is, you know, completely fine with me. It's funny, you know, you're mentioning Jason and his big name. And like I was thinking about this list. and I'm like, I feel like you can't do a list like this without talking about you know, Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't really mentioned Concrete Rose on here yet, which is the prequel with that, like, gorgeous cover. I'm excited for that one to hit my bookstore in January. And, you know, and I I feel like I can't talk about this without bringing up All American Boys, which is the book that introduced me to Jason's work, and as well as Brendan. Let me see, my first big wreck here is going to be uh, I'm Not Dying With You Tonight by Kimberly Jones and Jilly Siegel. I had written this one down I guess last week when we were planning to record, and then this weekend, Kimberly Jones went like wildly viral. Uh, if you're on yes. Twitter, you've mm-hmm. absolutely seen her her video. It's been like posted by like Trevor Noah and Matthew Cherry. It's just been absolutely everywhere. Also, like there was totally a tweet where Trevor Noah was like, "You should come be on my show," and I was like, "Oh my god, please, like please, I hope this <laughs> happens because I like that book a lot." And yeah, I'd love to see a YA author being on a, a main t- a show. Like, oh my goodness, um. But anyhow, uh, so this book, it's a, a shifting POV novel about two teens, uh, one black and one white, who absolutely are not friends. They're wildly different, uh, who have to come together as a, as a race riot sets their city uh, aflame. Uh, the book digs into race relations in a huge way, uh, friendship, and talks about privilege. Um, and this one came out, oh dear, this was this was last summer, Last right? year, yeah. Last year, oh god. 
So yeah, and that's uh, I'm Not Dying With You Tonight by Kimberly Jones and Julie Siegel. And uh, yeah, look up Kimberly on Twitter when you get a chance <laughs> and check out her just um, the amazing video that she posted. And that's pretty much everywhere right now. <laughs> My next pick is the one that I teased at the top of the show and that's Into the Streets, A Young Person's Visual History of Protest in the United States by Mark Bischke. So the publication date for this book has changed now twice. I hope now, uh, because it was pushed up to July 7th, it doesn't get lost in the scramble. It was supposed to come out in March or April, and then it got moved to the end of August, and then moved back up, uh, since it's so timely. And so don't sleep on this one or miss it in the shuffle of everything moving around. And this is a powerful introduction to the history of protest in America. It clocks in at only about 200 pages, and it's one of those glossy photo-heavy books that introduces you to protests throughout American history, starting with colonization through 2019. So obviously the book comes out this year, and it can only cover up to 2019. It adds context and depth to the peaceful as well as the violent protests throughout history and why it is they were held, as well as the outcomes of each of them. So the protests include those from all marginalizations, as well as a number of protests by Native people. There is zero sympathy in here for the groups that continue to harm vulnerable populations, like the section on uh, white nationalists. Like It stands out as stark compared to the way so many of these other civil rights movements have been highlighted in the book. And there's such important context added for a number of the protests that help clarify what the challenges were then as well as why we are at where we are today. So, for example, one thing I didn't know is how militarized the police force became after 9-11. Like, I I was in high school then, and obviously being a white woman from the suburbs didn't know anything about the police beyond my own experiences of, like, you know, don't do something stupid and get caught. And so hearing that and reading that suddenly brought to light so much more about what's going on right now in a way that I hadn't quite understood before because I didn't have the context for it. And so that was a big like moment of understanding so much more about right now in this moment. And and I think that this is one of those books that will be so beneficial to so many readers who especially those who don't understand what's going on right now or see like why there's so much protesting. This is just something people do in America and it has been happening since the start of uh, colonization. And um, I thought this book was just a phenomenal introduction. It's not going to cover everything, but it's meant to be a jumping off point and give this overview of so much that has happened throughout uh, history. And that's Into the Streets, A Young Person's Visual History of Protest in the United States by Mark Beischke. And like I said, it comes out July 7th. Oh my goodness, it sounds awesome. I haven't heard of this one. Ah, Thanks for putting it on my radar too, Gary. Yeah. It's funny because like I got a copy of it a long time ago and I kept it on the shelf and kept it on the shelf and then cleaned out my shelves and was like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Oh, it already published. And then it got moved. And then I was like, well, I think this will be really important to read right now. And literally while I was reading it, that's when they bumped the pub date back up. And I was like, okay, talk (laughs) about it now so that you don't forget about it. And that anybody else who kind of had the same mentality I did about it knows that it's vital reading for right now yeah 
So my next one is uh, is an adult book. It's uh, How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones. Um, and I'm I'm really surprised this one didn't end up getting like an Alex uh, Award nomination last year. So it's a uh, or maybe wait, it came out in what October? So maybe that's yeah. not until this year. I I don't know. I don't know what award season <laughs> is like. Um, if it still is able to be nominated for that then someone please someone listening please do that so uh it's a coming of age memoir about jones growing up in the south as a young gay black kid uh and digs into his complicated life with his family and the community around him uh on themes centered around queerness and race um i did this one on audiobook a while back uh i'm surprised i haven't thought to bring it up until now considering you know kelly i know you brought up uh george johnson's memoir and i feel like these two you know would pair very 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 well and now, now I'm like thinking about the Alex Awards and when they come around. But yeah, hopefully this one gets scooped up. And that's um, How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones. My next pick is Amazon's Abolitionists and Activists, A Graphic History of the Women's Fight for Their Rights Ooh. by Mickey Kendall and A. D'Amico. And this one's on my to-read, in part because Mickey's work is some of my favorite work. And I know she showed me like, hints of this early on when she was working on it, but I haven't gotten the chance to look at it yet. So you get the little blip. Uh, The ongoing struggle for women's rights has spanned human history, touched nearly every culture on earth, and encompassed a wide range of issues, such as the right to vote, work, get an education, own property, exercise bodily autonomy, and more. Amazon's Abolitionists and Activists is a fun and fascinating graphic novel style primer that covers key figures and events that have advanced women's rights from antiquity to the modern era. In addition, this compelling book illuminates the stories of notable women throughout history, from queens to freedom fighters to warriors and spies, and the progressive movements led by women that have shaped history, including abolition, suffrage, labor, civil rights, LGBTQ liberation, reproductive rights, and more. Examining where we've been, where we are, and where we're going, Amazon's abolitionists and activists is an indispensable resource for people of all genders interested in the fight for a more liberated future. It sounds incredible. That is by Mickey Kendall and A. Diamico. And it's a a graphic novel or graphic novel Mm -hmm. nonfiction? Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, geez, Kelly, you're giving me two. <laughs> uh, let me see. So my next one is uh, Slay by Brittany Morris. And it's funny, like, I would totally recommend Brittany Morris's delightfully geeky YA novel in this roundup, not just because it's about a teen who invents a wildly exciting online card game, which is like, I don't know, like a slam dunk in terms of my interests when it comes to YA and those sort of nerdy stories. But it's really about racism and harassment in digital spaces. In Slay, uh, we meet Kiara, who's uh, one of the only black kids at her school. But online, she has this massive community uh, who play her her game, Slay. Uh, but when someone gets killed in real life as a result of her game, uh, her game, just accusations of racism and violence are just absolutely everywhere. And she finds herself uh, having to fight for her community. And it's just this great book about uh, standing up for yourself, standing up for the people around you. And uh, yeah, I just love how layered this particular book is. It's it's such a fun like geeky read but at the same time digs into some very heavy topics and that's uh slay by Brittany morris i still need to read that one oh it's so it fun so good my next pick is this book is anti-racist by tiffany jewell and this is a new release that i discovered when a friend was asking for middle grade anti-racist book recommendations which i believe next week i have a, a post on book riot going on 
with those recommendations. But I will say I haven't read this one and I know it's back ordered everywhere, but you can grab an ebook copy of it. And I believe last I checked, it was also on sale. So it's worth grabbing uh, now if you haven't, whether or not it is on sale. So here's a little description. Who are you? What is your identity? What is racism? How do you choose your own path? How do you stand in solidarity? How can you hold yourself accountable? Learn about identities, true histories, and anti-racism work in 20 carefully laid out chapters. Written by anti-bias, anti-racist, educator and activist Tiffany Jewell, and illustrated by French illustrator Aurelio Duran in a kaleidoscopic vibrancy. This book is written for the young person who doesn't know how to speak up to the racist adult in their life. For the 14-year-old who sees injustice at school and isn't able to understand the role racism plays in separating them from their friends. For the kid who spends years trying to fit into the dominant culture and lures themselves for a little while. It's for all the black and brown children who have been harmed physically and emotionally because no one stood up for them or they couldn't stand up for themselves because the color of their skin, the texture of their hair, their names made white folks feel scared and threatened. It is written so children and young adults will feel empowered to stand up to the adults who continue to close doors in their faces. This book will give them the language and ability to understand racism and a drive to undo it. In short, it is for everybody. And that is This Book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell. What's your next one? Yeah, so my next, I just have a few quick uh, rapid fire recommendations that I'd be really mad if I didn't bring up here. Tyler Johnson Was Here by Jay Coles. Uh, Dear Martin by Nick Stone. Uh, and the last one is uh, the How It Went Down duology from Kekla mm-hmm. Magoon. Light It Up just came out last year, and these books are so good. They're told in these uh, like vignettes that jump viewpoint to viewpoint. I'm like such a sucker for stories that just like shift sort of all over the place. Uh, and this one does it just outstandingly well. Uh, and then Color Me In by Natasha Diaz, which I know I've brought up a few times. I've got one last one to include as well, and that's Good Talk by Mira Jacob. Oh, yes. It's a graphic memoir published for adults, but perfectly fine for teen readers. And those who love Between the World and Me will want to pick this one up. I think it explores some similar terrain. And interestingly, I listened to this on audiobook and did not know it was a graphic novel because I picked up the audiobook without looking at the physical book. And I wrote a long piece on BookRite about this. And how much I loved listening to it because it's a story about conversations. And so I would say listen to it and then maybe go pick up the book because it is a graphic novel. So there's that element of it too. Um, So this is a book about when Mira's son asks about being mixed race and it spurs a series of memories for Mira about growing up Indian American and all of the macro and microaggressions that she experienced. There's tons of cringeworthy moments in the book and a lot of laugh out loud moments. And those memories are interspersed with the 2016 election and what it was like to explain to a young biracial child what the world looks like now and how it may or may not treat him. It's ultimately a book about hope, about how this younger generation is so full of tenacity and drive and will and hopefully can help change the course of American politics beautiful book. Like I said, listening to it on audio was great because it is a series of conversations and the voices are all so well done. But it's it's also a graphic memoir. So there is a visual aspect to it as well. And that is Good Talk by Mira Jacob. 
Oh, that's awesome. So glad you brought that one up. I loved her, her debut novel too. Um, Sleep All Here's Guide to Dancing, I think, I think is the title. Um, oh boy, it was a while ago. <laughs> so our next sponsor is Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and a brand new epic level. And you can try any level out for free for just two weeks. The highlight in our new group read, hosted online, available to all Epic members. Each quarter, we'll read a book, voted on by Epic subscribers, that will fill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge, and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more! Get the full details on this and all the other perks, and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. Let's change gears here and talk about food. Uh, yes. Yes, please. <laughs> I was looking through the June, like, celebrations that go on, like, the month, like, you know, national whatever month, international whatever day, and there are about a million food holidays in June. So there's, like, ice cream day, chocolate day, like, all kinds of fruit days, and I was like, wouldn't it be fun if we talked about why books where there's fruit on the cover, or food on the cover? Fruit is where my mind went because my first one has fruit on it. But yeah, and I I was like, Eric, let's talk about fruit on why book covers. And he was like, yeah, game. So so that's where we're at. You talk about heavy stuff first, and then sometimes you need to talk about the lighter stuff. And that's not to say these books are fluff. Some of them are. They're delightfully comfort reading, but some of them are also quite heavy. Do you want to kick it off? Yeah, and I love that we're talking about covers with delicious food on the cover. But like, even though it doesn't have food on the cover, I have to quickly mention Adiel Sayed's North of Happy um, because there are recipes in the book and they are so, so good. One time I was writing with Adi in my author life and he explained how one day he wanted to make his own line of salsas. Uh, and he said he wanted to, so his name's Adiel Sayed and he said he wanted them to be called like Salsaid <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> for the salsas. And I think about that every time I look at his wonderful, wonderful books. And it's funny, I immediately want to talk about Hot Dog Girl as a food on the cover <laughs> title but technically you can't eat the hot dog because it's a costume i mean i guess you could try but i don't know um if you have hot dog girl on your uh hey why bingo go ahead and cross that one <laughs> off your sheet and it's funny like i was doing research for this and it's it's wild how many ya with food on the cover books hit in like like the early 2000s when we had that like big cupcake boom because there's a million mm. YA novels with cupcakes on the cover and like cute coffee drinks. I don't know. It made me really upset that I can't go to my coffee shop right now, but it also made me mm-hmm. think about like maybe there should be some kind of fun episode about like when the world had a big cupcake boom, how apparently YA completely leaned into it. <laughs> and I just, I don't know. I never put those two things together. Well, let's see. When it comes to actual recommendations... Uh, I think my first one is going to be The Art of French Kissing by Brianna R. Schrum. So this is one I haven't read yet, but it's been on my bookshelf for a while now because all of her books are just, I don't know, they're all quite lovely. I'm a sucker for a nice cover, and that's that's what kind of gets me. And this one has a delicious pile of just, now are they, oh dear, I am not a foodie. There, There's a difference between macarons and macaroons, right? They're different cookies? Yes. Okay, well, one of them is the French one. <laughs> I don't know if that's... <laughs> Are those the macaroons, the ones that are, like, really flaky, and there's usually, like, a fruit, and they, they're they different colors? I think so. I think? I don't know. Oh, boy. They're the ones that melt in your mouth yeah. that are all these bright colors. Well, heyya at, at bookriot.com if you want to <laughs> correct me there. Um, 
So yeah, so this one, uh, 17-year-old uh, Carter Lane has wanted to be a chef since she was old enough to ignore her mom's warnings to stay away from the hot stove. And now she has the chance of a lifetime, a prestigious scholarship competition in Savannah, where students compete all summer in chopped-style challenges for a full ride to one of the best culinary schools in the country. The only impossible challenge ingredient in her basket is Reed Yamada. After Reed, her cute but unbearably cocky opponent goes out of his way to screw her over on day one. Carter vows revenge, and soon they're involved in a full-fledged culinary war. Uh, just as tension between them reaches a boiling point, Carter and Reed are forced to work together if they want to win. And Carter begins to wonder if Reed's constant presence in her brain is about more than just rivalry, and if maybe her desire to smack his mouth doesn't necessarily cancel out her desire to kiss it. And that is The <laughs> Art of French Kissing by Brianna R. Schrum, and... Whether or not it's macarons or macarons on the cover is is <laughs> up for a, a correction in the HeyYA email. <laughs> so many people are yelling at us right now. <laughs> My first pick is With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. And the story follows Imani, who's been raising her daughter and living with her abuela all through high school. Her daughter's father isn't entirely out of the picture, but he's also not really in it. It's senior year and Imani is able to take a culinary arts class at her school. She has always loved to cook and this can open up a ton of doors for her, especially if she can find a way to pay for the class's one week immersion trip to Spain. But she and the teacher butt heads and it looks like the whole class might be a loss until Imani steps back and plays the class by the teacher's rules. It ultimately ends up helping her find her own way with food and cooking and discovering how to make a future in the industry. It's engaging. It's got this delicious prose. And I really want to eat Imani's meals. Like every single thing she cooked and talked about, I was salivating for. There's a, a sweet budding romance in here between Imani and a new student at her school. And I really loved Amani's relationship with her best friend in this story. Amani is super close with her abuela, and I love that her abuela has this whole life in the story that Amani isn't privy to until the very end. It's super layered, super smart, and just a delicious and delectable read. Yes, I use the food words. <laughs> that is With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. All right. My next one is Love a la Mode by Stephanie Capestrom. Um, two teens get accepted to a fancy culinary school, surprise, surprise, and find themselves competing against one another in Paris and, of course, catch feelings. You know, as often as they catch, I don't know, some kind of food that requires catching while you're cooking it. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> what do you catch when you're cooking? Pizza, I guess. But there's, I don't know, there's no pizza in this book. Uh <laughs> Uh, so this one has a delicious ice cream cone on the cover, and yeah, I am such a sucker for this this trope, I guess, in YA food books, where we have these like teen chefs battling out against one another. Um, I don't know, maybe that's another publishing trend, you know? Like, Cupcakes mm. had the cupcake boom, so we had a bunch of cupcake YA books with them on the cover, and then here we are with uh, cooking competitions. I, hmm. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Uh, and that is uh, Love a la Mode by Stephanie Kate Strum. Now I'm thinking about future shows. I'm going to play off the ice cream bit here that you started with and throw out Stay Sweet by Siobhan Vivian. Mm. And this is a story about Amelia, who is offered the role of head girl at the local ice cream stand, which is a legend in the small town where she's from. And she's super excited. It's a job everyone loves in a place everyone loves to work. 
But when she discovers that the founder of the shop has died suddenly, everything is up in the air about that summer. Will the shop open? Who will be the owner? Who will be in charge? And then it's a young college boy who takes over. And this ice cream shop has only ever had girls working at it. So clearly things are not going to be what they once were. This one is written in third person, which I loved. It was really refreshing, and the voice will hit perfect notes with people who uh, love Jenny Han and Morgan Matson. Amelia's relationship with her best friend Kate, as well as with her boss, and of course, he's cute. Boy named Grady are complex and imperfect and messy and super real. Amelia grows tremendously during this summer, and we as readers get to see it. And I loved, included in here, uh, the diary from Molly Mead, the founder of the shop. Her story is as fascinating as Amelia's, with her shop becoming the love of her life. And it gave her this big purpose when her boyfriend at the time was off at war. It's a really smart book about entrepreneurship, about the ways that girls can come together to save things that they love. And also it's just got ice cream galore. I wanted to eat all the ice cream in this book. And that is Stay Sweet by Siobhan Vivian. Yeah, I'm going to bring up It's Kind of a Cheesy Love Story again uh, by Lauren Morrill. We have pizza on the cover and they're done in this really neat like cutout paper sort of look. If you haven't guessed by me talking about it a little bit, uh, like 10 of Love Story is about a uh, pizza shop, and it is a rom-com set in one. We meet a teen girl whose name escapes me right now, even though I'm actually reading the book at the moment, who is born in a pizza place. Uh, and as a result, this kind of defines a great deal of her life growing up and coming into her own as a teenager. Uh, her birthdays are celebrated there every year. The owner is a close personal friend of the family who desperately wanted to be her godfather. All kinds of hijinks ensue as a result of the fact that she's been born in this place. Uh, and when she turns 16, she's offered a job there, uh, though she doesn't necessarily want it. Uh, we get this really fun picture of her and these new, this new sort of misfit crew that she makes friends with at the pizza place. And the sort of, uh, what's the word? I don't know, the differences that are there between her, like, popular friends at school and the, the quirky friends in the pizza shop. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not quite sure who she's going to fall for yet. There are some varying love interests uh, already halfway through the book. And yeah, it's a, it's a fun, pizza-filled, swoony book. <laughs> uh, and it's a kind of cheesy love story by Lauren Moore. My next pick is A La Carte by Tanita S. Davis. And this is one of maybe the only books by Tanita Davis that I haven't read. But I recommend it all the time, which says to me I should read it sooner rather than continue to not read it. Uh, this one came out quite a while ago, but still worth picking up. Here's a little, little blurb. 17-year-old Lainey dreams of becoming a world-famous chef one day and maybe even having her own cooking show. Do you know how many African-American female chefs there aren't and how many vegetarian chefs have their own show? The field is wide open for stardom. But when her best friend and secret crush suddenly leaves town, Lainey finds herself alone in the kitchen. With a little help from St. Julia, child of course, Lainey finds solace in her cooking as she comes to terms with the past and begins a new recipe for the future. This book also includes recipes. That is a la carte by Tanita S. Davis. All right, and I have a couple of uh, fun rapid-fire wrecks for things that we've brought up before. Uh, one is Hungry Hearts, 13 Tales of Food and Love, edited by Elsie Chapman uh, and Caroline Tung. 
So this is what I have to mention because not only do we love uh, anthologies here on HeyYA, but there's a delicious looking bowl of ramen right on the front of the mm-hmm. cover. Uh, Love and Gelato by Jenna Evans Welch. And like, so you mentioned Shuam and Vidyan, and I, it just made me think about, um, I know one of Morgan Matson's books has the ice cream on the cover. Which one is that? Oh, yeah. Oh. Is that Since You've Been Gone? Is that even the, it might be. Is that even the title of the book? Or am I just thinking I think of- so. I think you're right. Because it's got like two girls on the front cover. Yeah. It's too. green. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have one last recommendation as well. And that is The Best Laid Plans by Cameron Lund. And I'm bringing this one up because I started this quest last year to find a YA book cover with pizza oh, on I remember it. And this, that. Be- <laughs> this was like a thing I could not get over because there were absolutely zero YA books with pizza on the cover until this book. And now there's this one as well as the Lauren Morell book that you're digging into. So two YA books with pizza covers this year. So this is on my shelf still to read, but I definitely plan to read it soon because it sounds like something I really will enjoy. So here's the here's the description. It seemed like a good plan at first. When the only other virgin in her group of friends loses it at Keeley's own 18th birthday party, she's inspired to take things into her own hands. She wants to have that experience too. Well, not exactly like that, but with somebody she trusts and actually likes. So she's going to need to find that guy and fast. Problem is, she's known all the boys in her small high school forever, and it's kind of hard to be into a guy when you watched him eat crayons in kindergarten. So she can't believe her luck when she meets a ridiculously hot new guy named Dean. Not only does he look like he's fallen out of a classic movie poster, but he drives a motorcycle, flirts with ease, and might actually be into her. But Dean's already in college, and Keeley is convinced he'll drop her if he finds out how inexperienced she is. That's when she talks herself into a new plan. Her lifelong best friend Andrew would never hurt or betray her, and he's clearly been with enough girls that he can show her the ropes before she goes all the way with Dean. Of course, the plan only works if Andrew and Keeley stay friends. Just friends. So things are about to get complicated. That is The Best Laid Plans by Cameron Lund. All right. Those are some good wrecks. Yeah. So uh, let's let's just leave it here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. If you have feedback about the show or you want to leave us a treat on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and do that. You can leave a recommendation there. You can leave a review. Um, you could also email us and tell us the difference between a macaron and a macaroon. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen, and you can follow Eric Smith and inform him of the differences between these two cookies on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.